Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, 6 to 10. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Thanks, Mikey. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be back. My name is Ben, if we haven't met before. Uh, And I just want to say, I think this is the best decision you can make in terms of how you spend your New Year's Eve. It's good that we can be here and gather together and hear from the living God. So let's pray again, and then we'll hook into this passage today. Father, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that now you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. And Lord, we pray that you would transform us now. Lord, that we would walk out different because we've met with the living God. So, Father, if we need challenging, may you challenge us. If we need comforting, may you comfort us. And we pray that you would do this work by the power of your Holy Spirit. And through your word this morning, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it it is the end of 2023. So congratulations, you did it. You made it through the year. Well done. And uh, at the end of each year, it is a moment, I suppose, in your life to stop and reflect and think about the next year and think about any resolutions that you might have. For the new year. So if you didn't um, have any resolutions in this morning, we've got the joy to do that this morning. Um, here's a few things actually. Uh, here's the top resolutions for, for 2024 that people had on the screen. If you can read that, basically it's pretty much think of an area of your life and just do it better. That's pretty much the resolution. Improve your fitness, finances, um, get a new hobby, stop smoking, Um, Hopefully the new hobby that you get is not smoking. If that is, then you've got to stop that new hobby that you will get if that's smoking. Um, Pretty much think of an area of your life, though, basically, and just do it better. That's that's the resolution. So if you need ideas, you too can Google that. That's on Forbes. They came up with that. Uh, and, And pretty much people are just trying to improve their life. Now, I do like resolutions. I think they're they're good. I think any time, actually, that you can stop and think about your life, where you've been and where you're going, I think that's a good thing. Um, to do. I think that's important. Uh, I remember a few years ago reading in a book called Atomic Habits, which is a, it's a self-help book, so it's mildly helpful. But one of the ideas that he was speaking about in that book was if you want to make resolutions that make a difference, then don't just think about what you want to do, think about who you want to be. So think about your identity and, and, and start there, and then that's going to help you actually change. So for example, instead of saying, I want to run three times a week, Say, uh, I want to be someone who's healthy, or I want to be a runner. And in turn, you might run three times a week, but if you start with your identity, it's less guilt-driven, it's more likely to make a lasting change, and it's more sort of purpose-driven, and and, and it's actually achievable then. 
I think there's something helpful in that when, it, when you're thinking about resolutions, if you are thinking about resolutions. But it's interesting because when we come to the Bible, in the Bible we actually get a sense that this is where God starts for us. You see, God does want you to do things differently next year. That's true. God does want you to do things differently next year. But it's not just about the task. It's because God has a goal for you. And what is that goal? Well, we actually see this. In 2 Corinthians, Paul puts it like this. The goal that God has for us. It's in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says this, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, I know that that might, you know, you need to think about that a little bit, but essentially the goal that God has for you is that you become like Jesus, right? That's the goal that God has for you. So in 2024, the goal God has for you is to be more like Jesus, and that's going to happen in ever-increasing glory from one step to another, from one degree to another. And when we grasp that this is the goal that God has for us, it's quite profound, I think. And you could think about this for a little bit. You know, if, if you think about it, everything in 2024 that's going to happen to you is to shape you to be more like Jesus. That, that helps in the highs and the lows of life. But if we think about it on a day like today, if this is the goal that God has for us, to be more like Jesus, right? If that's the goal that God has for us, then the question we want to think about this morning is what can we do to participate in that, right? What can we do to help towards that goal? Is there anything that we can do? And, and particularly on a day like that today, is it worth thinking about some resolutions, some things we might do differently tomorrow and into next year to actually help us in the goal to be more like Jesus? Well, this is what we're going to think about this morning. We're going to do that as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, because here in this passage, there's three really simple ideas that we get in terms of things we can do to help this goal to be more like Jesus. Okay, so if you have your Bibles there, flick them open, or it'll be on the screen behind me as well. We're going to pick it up in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where we start in verse 6 with the first idea in this passage, and it's about thinking about what you eat, what you feed on for your soul. Have a look at this, verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truth of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Okay, so, so the goal that God has for you is to be more like Jesus. What can we do towards that? Well, the first thing we can do is we can think about what we eat, right? That, that's the image, the metaphor that Paul is using here to Timothy. It's this idea of eating well, and we're not talking about actual food. We're talking about food for your soul, we're talking about what you feed on and what you think about, what goes into your very soul. He says there, if you speak about these things, you'll be nourished on the truth. Now, what's he speaking about here? Well, the context does matter. So uh, you can see just before it in your Bibles there, uh, he, he's speaking about false teachers. And the false teachers basically say that if you want to be right with God, abstain from marriage and abstain from eating certain food. That's the context that we arrive at. And so what Paul's saying to Timothy is basically point out to them that this is not how you're made right with God. You're not made right with God through what you do. You're made right with God through what Christ has done. That's how you're made right with God. It's not about what you do or what you abstain from. It's not about our efforts that make us right with the living God. It's what Jesus has done at the cross. That's what makes us right with God. Um, it, you know, it's important we think about this because on a day like today, we're going to talk about what we do, Right? And we are going to talk about what we do, but, but as we talk about what we do, we have to remember that what we do comes in response to what has been done. Right throughout the Bible, it's relationship first, response second. It's, it's Jesus dying on the cross for people like us so we could have a relationship with God, and then from that point, we think about our response. And, and Paul's saying to Timothy here, 
If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be nourished on the truth. So what's he saying? Well, essentially this. If you think about how people are saved through Christ alone, and you speak about how people are saved through Christ alone, then it's going to nourish your souls. Now, this is a metaphor, and it's an important metaphor, um, because you, you think about, if you think about food, what nourishes you? You know, think about that. What nourishes you when you think about food? You know, we've just come on the back of the Christmas season, and I reckon a fair few of us would say that what we ate on Christmas Day did not nourish us. I mean, we ate it, it was good, but we didn't feel good because of it. This word nourish captures this sense of if you eat it, it's going to be good for you and you're going to grow when you eat it. Um, or to give you the illustration of my journey in this, you know, a few weeks ago, um, we are at a party and it was one of those parties where they had like pizza being delivered the whole night. And it was like canapes at a wedding, you know that experience, um, where you position yourself just at the door where the person comes out, you know what I'm talking about. And well, this is what it was like, but with pizza. And when, when we got there, I was so hungry and so very glad that the pizza was coming out. And then it just kept coming out. And people stopped eating, but I was like, well, there's pizza. It's being delivered to me. It would be rude not to eat this food. And so I kept eating and kept eating. And then later that night, I got home and I thought, oh, man, that was a bad decision. And I felt terrible. And I felt terrible not just because I'd overeaten and, like, spiritually now, I, I didn't so, show self-control and... You know, there were some things I needed to deal with for, for, between me and God, but, but I also felt sick, right? Like deeply, it was grim, and I, I was going to bed that night regretting everything. And, and when you think about that moment, you know, you think about, okay, so what do I need to do differently next time? It's pretty easy, you know, eat differently or eat less, right? Like we get this imagery when it comes to food. But what Paul wants to do, to help us think through here is, is not just what we're eating, but our souls and what we're feeding on for our souls. So let's think about this, right? Because it's possible that what we feed on in terms of what we think about is not nourishing us. It's, it's not doing good things for us. You know, in fact, with food, it's possible to eat junk and then with food, you feel like junk and then you act like junk. But the truth is with our souls, this also is true. You can feed on junk in terms of what you think about, and then you feel like junk, and then you act like junk. And so this morning, we actually have to think about what we're thinking about, what we're feeding on. You know, we've got, we got to think about this. So, so let's ask the question, what are you feeding on? What's the, what are the voices in your life? What are you consuming? And, and more importantly, I mean, let's just go for it. Like, what are you listening to or reading on your phone? Right, because that's where most of us are spending most of our time in terms of voices we're listening to and things we're consuming. I, I saw this week, actually, the average phone usage is three hours and 15 minutes a day. And you might think, geez, that's a lot. And if you are that person who thinks that's a lot, it's because the person next to you, it's about half of what they use. I think that's unders, but that's the number. Three hours and 15 minutes. That's a lot of content we're consuming, a lot of things that we're feeding on and thinking about. And I wonder if you've ever thought about that moment when you've acted up, acted like junk. I wonder if you've ever had that self-reflection moment of thinking, what, what was I feeding on? You know, have you ever had that moment where, like, you, you were bitter or angry or short? Or the moment where you didn't act the way that you thought you, you should act? You said things, actually, that you've never said before? 
Have you had that self-reflection moment where you've just thought, why did I do that? You see, I think it's possible we're feeding on junk. You know, and it's funny, right? Because I know a lot of us, our reaction when we're thinking about what we think about and what we're reading, sometimes we say things like, I'm not a good reader. And trust me, I'm not a good reader, right? Like, personally, I'm not a good reader. But yet we spend hours in the Facebook comments. We're reading on our phone. So we've got to think about what we're feeding on and what we're thinking about and whether it is actually nourishing our souls. You know, is it nourishing your soul spending hours reading things online? Is it nourishing your soul watching certain shows online? You know, I reckon if you're watching a TV show or YouTube or a movie that you wouldn't watch in front of your kids or your parents, there's a chance it's probably not doing good things for your soul. There's a chance that you might feel like junk after eating junk and thinking about junk because you've been feeding on junk. And when we come back to this passage, what Paul's saying is when you, when you teach this, right, the message of Jesus, what's going to happen is you're going to be nourished on your soul. You're actually going to grow in your faith. So this morning, as we think about the goal, the goal to be more like Jesus, the first thing that we can do is actually think about what we're thinking about. And so today, as we think about this moment too, on the edge of the new year, I think it's worth thinking about this for next year. You know, what, what's this going to change for you when you think about this next year? Is it going to change how you think about how you're reading the Bible? Or what podcasts you're listening to? You know, what, what you're watching online? You know, are there certain channels that you probably should watch on YouTube and, and some channels that you probably should stop watching? Is there certain pages that you're following that you should unfollow and certain pages that you should follow? As we think about this moment on the edge of the new year, it's worth actually thinking about what we're thinking about and what we're feeding on. Because there's going to be certain things in 2024 that will nourish us and help us grow and certain things that will not do that. And and so as we think about the goal that God has for us to be more like Jesus, well, we start here. We start with what we're feeding on, what we're nourished on. The the second, though, as we keep reading, it starts with eating well, but the second one is training often. So let's have a look at this as well. Verse 7. He says this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So the first thing is thinking about what we're thinking about. The second thing is training, training often. And and here the image that Paul is is using here in the ancient world is actually of gymnastics, because that was the sport in the ancient world. And the, your mind would go to being disciplined for the sake of improvement. And if you're someone here today who, who likes getting into exercise, you know that when it comes to exercise, it's basically never easy. You know, your recovery is easy, it gets easier. But whenever you're doing it, basically it continues to be hard the more that you do it. But we do know that there are benefits to exercise, don't we? We all know that there are benefits. In fact, uh, on Victoria Health this week, I was looking up the benefits Here's some benefits to physical exercise, all right? Maybe this will help you in 2024, but here it is on the website. It's quite, it's crazy to me. So physical activity may reduce your risk of a heart attack, manage your weight better, have a lower blood cholesterol level, lower the risk of type 2 diabetes and some cancers, have lower blood pressure, stronger bones, muscles, joints, and lower risk of developing osteoporosis, lower your risk of falls, recover better from periods of hospitalization or bed rest, feel better with more energy and a better mood, feel more relaxed and sleep better. And then you add to that a number of studies have seen that exercise helps depression, 
There are many uh, views as to how that helps with depression. Exercise may block negative thoughts or distract you from daily worries. Exercising with others provides opportunity for increased social contact. Increased fitness may lift your mood and improve your sleep patterns. And exercise also may change the levels of chemicals in your brain, such as serotonin, endorphins, and stress hormones. And you kind of read that and you think, okay, there's a bit going on with exercise. It is good for you. And I think, like many of us, might feel better in 2024 if we, if we put this on the resolution list and things that we want to achieve. But it's fascinating because in this passage, Paul says physical value is of some value, but training in godliness is of more value. And so if you're someone who puts physical training as a non-negotiable in your life, you know, if, if going to the gym or doing sport or your kids doing sport, if that's a non-negotiable in your life, you would be foolish not to make training in godliness a non-negotiable in your life. Because it's, it's of more value. So what's training in godliness then? What does that actually mean to train in godliness? Well, first we must define godliness. And Paul's actually already done this in 1 Timothy. In chapter 3, just before chapter 4, Paul says this, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. And who's he talking about there? He's talking about Jesus. So Paul's saying godliness springs from Jesus. Godliness is becoming more like Jesus. The more you understand Jesus, the more you know Jesus, the more you love Jesus, this is where godliness comes from. So when we're thinking about training in godliness, we're training in the ability to be like Jesus and know Jesus and love Jesus. That's what training in godliness is. So, so let's think about the training bit. What does it mean to train in this? Well, you know, the, the metaphor, again, is helpful here. Uh, growing up, I played soccer. And for me, we would always have soccer training, right? And we called it practice. And I really love the idea of practicing soccer. Because the idea is, and you know, if you, if you did any sport growing up, you, you know this to be true. When you turn up, you're not necessarily feeling it. You know, like the amount of times you just turn up and you, you're not feeling it, but you go through the motions and you do the things. And the more you do the things, the better you get at the things. You know, that, that's, what it, that's what happens with sport. The more you practice at it, the better you get at it. Now, this is kind of the idea with training in godliness. I mean, you know, kids, if you know the Colin Buchanan song, practice being godly, right? This is the idea. Practice it. Because the truth is, the more that you practice it, the better you will get at it. Now, again, let's remember, our actions are not what make us right with God. Relationship first, response second. We must remember that. But once we grasp the relationship and understand we're saved by Christ alone, then we can practice being like Jesus. And the truth is, the more that we practice it, the better we get at it. So, so here it is, right? The more you practice laying your life down for others, like Jesus, who laid his life down for us, the more we practice that, you know, the more we practice saying no to things we really want to do, to say yes to things we don't necessarily want to do, but are the action of laying our lives down for others. The truth is, even if we're not feeling it, the more we do it, the better we get at it. Or you think about something like forgiveness. You know, if, uh, when we look to Jesus, you know, the one who died on the cross to forgive us, the one who said from the cross, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. When we see Christ and the way that he forgives, 
The truth is, as we practice forgiveness, even when we're not feeling it, right? When we say the words, I forgive you, even if it's not necessarily all that heartfelt, the truth is the more that we practice it, the better we get at it. But you you take this for anything, right? Anything. You know, you take it for for reading the Bible. You take it for for attending church, growth groups, serving, any aspect. Speaking about Jesus, right? You think about speaking about Jesus. So many times we don't feel like we've done the best job at speaking about Jesus, but the truth is the more we practice it, the better we get at it. The more we practice saying on the weekend we went to church, the better and more natural it will come. Because this is, this is the metaphor, the image we're given here. When you practice being godly, the better you will get at it. Now, I just think this is the deepest comfort for us. It's such a good thing for us. Because when we consider this, what this means is, is we can practice being godly even though we're not feeling it and we're going to grow in it. And I think this is a deep encouragement for many of us here today. You know, like if you, if you think about it this morning, like I know that there are some mums and dads here this morning that are barely here, right? Like we're barely hanging in there and we've rocked up this morning. You know, if you're a mum or a dad and you feel like even the idea of thinking about resolutions is too much, the truth is just being here is an action of practicing being godly. That is something. That's not nothing being here. That's something. And the more that you do it, you will find the better you get at it. You know, maybe it's not kids. You know, maybe it's maybe just being here. You know, maybe you are a kid. And, and you know, when you, when you sit during church, it's hard. Right? Maybe the the preacher speaks too quick, or maybe the words are too big, or maybe it's too much for you. You know, the the truth is, the more that you sit in church, the better you'll get at it. You will find over time that the practice is what helps you in in the process. The practice helps you get better at it. Or reading the Bible. You know, like we've got some Bible reading plans today um, after the service. If if this is something you want to do in the new year, there's five-day Bible reading plans I think they're super encouraging and I found them really beneficial. But if you're someone that's not reading the Bible yet, the process of opening up your Bible and reading a few verses a day is going to help you. You know, you might not get anything out of it. You might think this is hopeless, but that's not how practice works. The more that you practice, the better you will get at it. Literally any aspect of the Christian life, you know, we want to have it all together. We want to nail it when we do. We want to be feeling it and have this super high spiritual moment when we're doing the things that God calls us to. But the truth is, most often, we're just going through the motions. Yet, this is the encouragement. Going through the motions helps us practice being like Jesus. Physical training is of some value, but training like this is of value in every way. So as we think about the goal that God has for us, the goal that God has for you in 2024 is to be like Jesus. Firstly, eat well. Think about what you're thinking about. Secondly, train in godliness. Thirdly, the last one, work hard in this. Let's have a look as Paul wraps this section up. He says this. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we've put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially those who believe. You see the the action words there, we we labor and strive. He's speaking about this idea that we work hard in this. Now, I know that last verse there kind of seems like God saves everyone, but it's kind of just like John 3.16. You know, if you think about that famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
That's the essence of this passage, of this verse. And, and what he's saying is when you grasp that God came into the world to save those who were lost, the more that you grasp this truth, the harder you will work for the sake of this truth. You know, we, we labor and strive, he says, because we get that Jesus came into the world to save people. Now, th- this is important that we get this. You know, it's important for all of us here as we consider what we're doing in this world. You know, like, we are called, if we follow Jesus, we are called to work hard for the sake of the lost because we recognize that if, if people don't know Jesus, then they will die without Jesus. And we do this because this is what Jesus did. You know, or to put it another way, the reason we do mission is because we want to be like Jesus. You know, and, and when you look at Jesus, you just see his whole life is driven by seeking and saving the lost. You know, like we don't do, we don't do mission simply because we want to do mission. We do mission because that's what Jesus did. That's the whole reason he came into the world, to seek and save the lost. And, and you see that. He's saying we work hard we put, because we put our hope in the living God who's the savior of all people. This is why we do what we do. You know, here at Southside, we use language or the imagery here of a cruise ship and a lifeboat. And I know we've used it a lot, but it's an important image because we, we can drift into thinking that church and what we're doing here is, is we're on a cruise ship. You know, my, my brother actually got tickets on a cruise ship recently, free tickets, and, and what he was saying was he, the cruise just went out to the sea and then came back in. They didn't even go anywhere. But the, the point of it was you just go on for three days you sit back, you consume as much as you can, and as you're consuming as much as you can, people will serve you and, and give you food and entertainment and, and, and all that sort of stuff. You consume as much as you can, the, the ship turns around, and then you come back, and then you get off. And was it good? Well, it depends how, how your, consum- your consumption was. And sometimes I think we can think of church like this, that we're here to consume and, and we've rocked up to, to see if we like the things that we see and the, you know, does it suit our needs and our tastes and we, and we consume. But right throughout the Bible, the church is not a cruise ship, it's a lifeboat. And you don't get on lifeboats to consume, you get on lifeboats to contribute. Because when you look out from the lifeboat, you see people drowning. And, and what we have is the life-saving message of Jesus. And so for us, we work hard because we see Jesus and we understand Jesus and we understand that without Jesus, people will not be saved and will spend eternity without Jesus. So we've got to think about church as a lifeboat, not as a cruise ship, which then will lead us exactly where, where it leads Paul. This is why we labor and strive. This is why we work hard. This is why we pour our lives out for this. It's because of the message of Jesus. And when we do this, we become like Jesus. That's the reality of it. When when we're on mission, we become like Jesus, the one who hung out with sinners, the one who went after the lost, the one who laid his life down for those who are far off. So the goal that God has for you in 2024 is to be like Jesus. Whatever happens in this next year, that's what God is doing in every moment. He is shaping you to be more like Jesus. But you can participate in this. As you think about what you're thinking about, as you think about the food for your soul, as you train in godliness, and as you work hard for Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment now to think about this year. It's, it's important, I think, to take moments of self-reflection. 
And so we've given these things. If this is helpful for you, use it. If it's not, that's fine. But it's just a way to process and think about what we think about, what we're training in, and what we're working hard in. We've also, in your service sheet, if you've got a service sheet this morning, we've also put some ideas there for you, things that you could think about, things to spark your ideas and all that sort of stuff. And so what we're going to do this now is we're going to take a few moments to think about the next year and think about what God is doing in us and what we can participate in the middle of that. And so if you didn't get one of these or you didn't get a service sheet, there's some people around that will help you in that. Uh, just put your hands up. Ross and Karen are helping out there with pens and a card. Or if you want to do it on your phone, wherever you want to do it, that's fine. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment to think about this, and then we're going to take a moment to self-reflect and pray through this. We're going to have a song on in the background, and then I'm going to come up and pray and close our time together. So let's take this time to self-reflect and to think about this next year together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the good news of Jesus that we are saved not through our effort, but through what Christ did at the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection and the hope that we have in Jesus. We pray, Father, though, that as we look to the cross, that you would help us to respond to you. Grasping the reality, Lord, that what you are doing in us is shaping us to be more like Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that as we grow to be more like Jesus, that you would help us to participate in this. Help us think about what we're thinking about. Help us to train in godliness and to keep turning up. And help us to work hard, knowing that the good news of Jesus is a message for all people. So give us this grace, we pray, Lord. And we thank you for your grace now as we finish 2023. We thank you for your grace to start again in 2024. And we pray that you would move in us and among us for the sake of your glory and the good of all people. In Jesus' name, amen.